are in the middle of a sermon series called Twisted Scripture where we take a look at some of the scriptures that people misuse or misunderstand and oftentimes cause harm on other people groups. And so today we're talking about money uh, because, man, ooh, money has been used and the scriptures about money have been used to cause great harm for many, many people. And so I didn't, I, I left the sermon uh, title a little vague, Love, Money, and Other Mysteries, because I knew that if I just said, hey, we're going to talk about money today, you guys weren't going to come to church. So a <laughs> little bit of a trick there, but I've heard it, man. I've heard it from people. I've heard it from people in this congregation. I don't come to church in September. I don't come to church at the end of the year, because I know what's going to happen. I, we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about pledge drives. We're going to talk about how I'm not given enough, and you're going to make me feel bad. It doesn't have to be that way, folks. It doesn't have to be that way. But I totally understand why talking about money puts a bad taste Put, puts a bad taste in people's mouths. I remember when I was in high school, um, I was a pretty outspoken Christian in high school, and my teacher said to me, I would love to come to church someday, but every time I see those offering plates pass, it makes my skin crawl because I know these people are being taken. They are paying for something intangible. They're paying for a good that doesn't really do anything. And they think that they're giving their money to something makes her skin crawl. That was the first time I had ever th heard of that, ever thought of that. Growing up, I used to love giving every Sunday. Every Sunday, whenever I was in the worship service with my parents, my parents would give me money so that I could give and put in the offering plate. And it felt good to give. When we had VBS, when we had VBS, we'd have contests boys versus girls at those times, about who could bring in the most amount of money by weight, by weight, right? So we would all go and we would ask our parents for money, give us money so that we can give it, right? And we would all bring in our money and we would, we would uh, take it to the bank and get rolls of pennies <laughs> and we would try to win this weighing competition in giving. And I remember looking up there one time as I was an older elementary student and I looked up at us counting the money, and I thought to myself, you know what? We're not counting any money that kids brought. That's all their parents' money, right? <laughs> the kids didn't give anything because it wasn't theirs to begin with. But I think I, So I always had a fond memory of giving. My parents made me tithe, give 10% of my allowance to the church, so it was easy. And when I first got a job bussing tables at a burger place, it was nothing for me to think and to give 10% of my paycheck to the church automatically. When you start out low, when you start out young, and you pay 10% of your income, if your income's 10 bucks, $1 doesn't hurt that bad, right? And as you grow, if you build those rhythms into your life, you're able to give at, at higher capacity. But talking about churches, kind of a... Scary thing, puts a bad taste in our mouth, um, partly because a lot of pastors out there are doing the wrong thing with money. Wrong. I don't know if you heard about these guys. There's a new Instagram, um, Instagram account called Preachers and Sneakers, and what they do is they take a look at certain prominent pastors of larger churches, take a snapshot, take a picture of what they're wearing, and then go and find out how much 
their clothes actually cost. And so I got a couple of pictures here. Here's one. This guy is wearing some special Air Jordans, $1,099. I like sneakers. I really like sneakers. $1,099. The next one uh, is, a, is a pastor wearing some Gucci Princeton slippers with tiger fur on it. I don't know if it's a real tiger fur. I doubt that. But $1,100. Last one here is a pair of Adidas Air Yeezy. Air Yeezy for all you Kanye West fans out there. High tops, $3,721. These are all pastors that are preaching about Jesus who uh, was homeless. <laughs> just to give you a frame of reference, I'll tell you how much... I, I just went clothes shopping yesterday because you guys complain about how all my shirts look the same, so I got some new ones. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I wear the same jeans, but these are new. I got them yesterday for $60. Uh, I got this shirt for $30. And these shoes, these shoes were a little expensive. I think they were, uh, I think they were 150, but I've worn them every, nearly every Sunday for the last six years. So that's just good investment, right? That's just good investment. I do love these shoes. I do love. And it's okay to spend your money. It's okay to to wear clothes that make you feel good. Wear clothes. Clothes is an expression of life. It's a good thing. I like the clothes that I wear, but people get a bad taste in their mouths when they see pastors wearing $5,000 pairs of shoes, right? Because you think to yourself, I know where that pastor got their money. Offering plates. Yeah. When people are given to ministries, when people are given... If, now, now, if you think my shirt was too expensive, uh, please give me a shirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you know, some people defend pastors like this. Some people defend pastors like this because it does say in Proverbs these words, greedy people stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord become prosperous. See those wealthy pastors and their $5,000 sneakers? They're not greedy. They just really trust in the Lord, right? They trust in God this much, and this is how God has prospered them. In fact, this is called the prosperity gospel, that if you don't have the wealth that you want, it's because you are not trusting in God enough. Those who trust in the Lord will become prosperous. So when you see somebody dressed to the nines, when you see somebody wearing a $10,000 suit, it's because they really trust God. Their faith is on point. And God has blessed them financially. It's called the prosperity gospel. Joel Osteen is the guy with this. He says, you have not because you ask not. And if you ask and do not have, it's because you don't have enough faith, right? Say that. Say that to some of the poorest people in the country in the world. Say, oh, you're in this circumstance because you don't trust the Lord. Say that to Mother Teresa, who is poor, who gives everything. Her only possessions were her sandals and her clothes. Man, she does not have faith. Say that to Jesus, who walked around from town to town just looking for a meal, 
right? I think that's why Jesus sat down at tables so much, because he was poor. He didn't have anything. <laughs> he walked into Jericho, saw the wealthiest man up in a tree, Zechariah, Zachariah, Zacchaeus, thank you, Zacchaeus, sees Zacchaeus up in the tree and says, Jesus wasn't looking for the most hated person in town to show him love. He was looking for the richest person so he could get the best meal that day, right? That's what (laughs) Your wealth isn't dependent on your faith. So what do we do with this scripture? Those who trust in the Lord become prosperous. Maybe we should change our idea of what prosperous means. Change our idea of what it means to have, what it means to be wealthy in God, right? How does God prosper us? People use money in other ways. People use uh, scripture in money in other ways to try to say that if you give X amount of dollars, you will be blessed tenfold, sevenfold, a hundredfold, whatever it is, right? And there is scripture to kind of back this up. This is in uh, Luke chapter 6. It says this, Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. A good portion packed down, firmly shaken and overflowing will fall into your lap. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. So pastors will say this and say, hey, what if you want to take care of yourself financially, if you want to make sure that you are comfortable, then what you have to do is write me a check, right? Write the church a check and God will bless you. I don't know how it's going to happen, but your blessing is coming, right? All you have to do is plant the seed. Send a little seed money my way, and God will financially bless you in some way. It says so right there in the scriptures, right? So people end up, pastors end up asking people to give, to give them this, and gives them this promise that if you give me money, God will somehow give you back sevenfold, tenfold, a hundredfold. You just have to have faith again. Now, let me say this. Um, social science shows that those who are generous are happier. Social science shows that those who are generous tend to be more prosperous even when it comes to money, right? I think that there's a lot of reasons for that. I don't think it's something magical. I think that if you are planning on being generous, then you have to plan it. And if you are planning your money, you're going to do better with your money in general. So I do think that people that have a capacity for generosity tend to, uh, tend to be okay, tend to be taken care of, tend to be provided for. However, I don't think that that's the way we should treat God. I don't think that that's the way the Scripture wants us to treat our money, right? The Scripture doesn't say that God is like a low-risk investment, right? God is not a low-risk investment. If you give this kind of money, I can guarantee you that you'll get some dividends back. God is not a machine. God is not some sort of contract machine where you give something and you automatically get something back. That's not who God is. God, God is, God is the lover of all creation. God is the creator of all things. God doesn't need your money. God's got everything, right? God has everything. God is not a low-risk investment that you give God some money and God will give back to you with dividends. 
But God is moving in this world to make things right, to change hearts and minds, to reconcile people to Christ, to turn their lives around so that they do good actions in this world, to bring peace on this earth. And God is looking for partners and friends to join God in that good act. This is not about your prosperity at all. This is not about you being comfortable. God is not calling you to a life of comfort, and here's what you need to do to get comfortable. Give me this amount of money, and I'll make sure you're comfortable. That's not it. God is turning us into generous givers, sacrificial givers, through whom God will change the world. God will change the world through our giving. The goal is not to create in us comfortable people. The goal is to create in us generous people. It's not that if you, be, if you are generous, God will provide for you. That's not what the scriptures are saying. Scripture says the other way around. God will provide for you so that you will become generous people. This is what 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says. It says, and God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough, you may share abundantly in every good work. God isn't saying, hey, do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be wealthy? Do you want to be comfortable? then give X amount of dollars. No, 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 no. God is saying, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you so that you can give it away, so that you can give of your life, so that you can give of your wealth, so that you can be a generous person to give yourself away, to give yourself away for the benefit of all God's creation. I bet you thought you're going to hear a sermon about giving 10% of your money away. I'm telling you, this is a sermon about giving 100% away, right? You can't take it with you. We're all going to give it away eventually, right? That's hard. How much, do you, how much am I called to give? God is saying, I want everything. I want your life. I want your moments. I want your time. I want your wealth. I want to use all of your resources to change the world. I will provide for you so that you can be generous. It's not be generous so that I'll provide for you. I promise you that you will have enough, enough. Oh, that's a hard word. What does that mean? Enough. I have one pair of brown dress shoes. They are enough. They are enough. They are enough. What does enough look like in your life? So then what are our patterns of giving? Why should we give to the church? If it's not a deal that you're striking with God, it's not a deal that you're striking with the pastor, why should we give to the church, right? Well, we should give to the church to create these communities where people come into contact with Jesus, right? 
We should create these communities where God's Word is spoken. We should create these communities where the family of God gather together to make some things right, whether it's building a house, whether it's sending a team to Kenya, whether it's sending a team to Oaxaca. We put together a family and organize ourselves in ways to make an impact for the kingdom of God in this world. We organize ourselves into these communities so that the message of Christ can be proclaimed, that all who hear the call and invitation of Jesus Christ stand up and respond, here I am, Lord, take me. Here I am, I believe. Here I am, make me a generous person for the kingdom. We give so that we can create this community. The church historically has called on people to give 10% of their income, a tithe. Tithe is a Latin word for tenth, right? So we give a tenth. I've, I've, and I'll stand before you and say that we give a tenth. We give about $600 a month to the church every month. We do it through the electronic payment, right? And because we do it through the electronic payment online, um, we give more than we've ever given before. <laughs> sometimes when you just write a check week in and week out, sometimes you get lost, sometimes you forget, and then I get to the end of the year and say, oh my goodness, I'm this far behind on my pledge. There's no way I can make this up. But with automatic giving through our website, I'm able to give faithfully to what I've said we will give. We give to the church not because we give $600 a month to the church, not because I think God is going to somehow bless me because I gave. I don't do that. I do that because I believe in the church. I believe in what we do. I believe in the gospel. I believe that it can change hearts. I believe in the work that we come around together to do. I give to the church because I believe, because God calls me to, not for any sort of reward that I might get out of it. And I trust, I trust that God will provide everything that I need, that I will have enough. If I can't testify to that, then I've got nothing. When Clementine went down, when we didn't know what our medical bills were going to be like, without asking, Elizabeth Tuosto started a t-shirt campaign, raised over $2,000 for us. You guys wore those t-shirts. I hope you still have them. If I see them in a Goodwill somewhere, I'm coming after you. <laughs> Our neighbor around, around the block put together a GoFundMe page. Uh, Clementine's school put together a party that raised money. God provides. And we did not have to change our giving to the church at all. Why would we? Why would we? God calls us to be give, givers, to be generous. Now, what you give to the church is not all that God is calling you to give. God is calling you to give in many ways all throughout your lives. And giving to the church is not the only way that we're generous, but we're called to be generous in all sorts of different ways. It's not a down payment on an investment that we expect God to pay out later. It is because God has developed in us hearts to give and to change the world. God will provide for you so that you can be generous. The scripture today was a goofy scripture. I don't know if you've heard it very often. I, I love it. It's weird, though. They, they, the disciples and Jesus make it to Capernaum, 
And some of the temple Jews, they say to Peter, hey, have you guys paid your temple tax yet? Have you paid your money to the, the community? Have you given to the community? What's going on? And I think Peter outright, outright lies to the synagogue leaders. Peter says, yeah, and then walks away. <laughs> they don't have any money. Jesus later gathers Peter together, because I'm sure they're awkward about this money situation. How much am I supposed to give? What do I have to give? And Jesus gathers them together and says, hey, 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 when the rulers of this world take a tax, do they make their family pay the tax, or do they make servants, other people, subjects pay the tax? The disciples said, the subjects pay the tax, pay the tax. The family doesn't. And Jesus says, hey, you are part of the family of God. You are daughters and sons of God. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to. There's no rules. You don't have to do this. However, however, for the good of the community, for the good of others, go down, take your fishing pole down to the lake, go get a fish, the first fish you catch, it's going to have a shekel in it. You take that shekel, put it in the temple coffers for us. What a weird story. <laughs> I love it. I love it. God provides so that Peter can be generous. God will provide for you so that you can be generous couple of quick action steps. What do I like to do with this? The first one is, um, is action step number one, pray over your income. Give thanks. We pray over our meals. We give thanks to God for the food that we're about to eat. We think about all the hands that have brought it from the ground to our tables. What if you pause? Whatever, however your income comes, whatever checks or, or however it comes, when it comes, what if you pause with your family? What if you pause with your partner and say, hey, can we just pray and give thanks for the way that we're being provided for? Give thanks for the work that brought this money about. In my case, give thanks for all of you who give. If we are thankful about our money and understand that even the money we earn is a gift, it'll change the way we spend it. Secondly, generosity first. If you want to be a more generous person, you got to take it off first. When your money comes in, take apart a portion to give first. If you wait till the end of the month and say, how much do I have left over to give and be generous? There won't be as much there, I promise you that. But God is calling us to be generous people. 10% is a high number especially if you're not used to it, especially you haven't, if you've never practiced that, right? So what percentage will you start at and ask God to increase your capacity for generosity? God, provide for me so that I can be more generous. God will make you a more generous person. You will have that capacity. Um, I would say, also suggest, do the automatic giving online, because I know that it feels good to pass the plates and to participate in worship and give something. Um, but when you automatically give, I don't, I don't even think about the money that we've given to the church, right? It goes. And then I organize my life on what's left. 
so I've given first, and it, I don't miss it, and I certainly don't resent the church. I certainly don't resent the church. If you do want to participate in worship, um, there are these little giving cards um, in, the, in the attendance registration forms. You just, that's what I do every week, is I drop one of these suckers in the offering plate, and that's how I participate in worship. And then finally, the last one is keep money ready to give in more ways that God calls. So God is calling you to give to the church, to the ministries of the church. It's, and by the church, I mean us. We are the church, right? But there will be times when God calls you to give to people in need in the moment. If all of your money is tied up on yourself, you won't be able to do that. So God is calling us to loosen up our money. Loosen up. I know you really like those $5,000 pair of sneakers, but maybe God is saying your brown church shoes are enough, right? You have enough. Keep a buffer because God will call on you to be generous when, when it's needed. And when you can answer that call, that's when you can see the kingdom of God advancing in this world. It will be hard. But we follow somebody who gave everything for us. We followed somebody that held nothing back. 